Have you ever noticed the signs on the back of a truck that say, how's my driving? And then it has a phone number. Have you ever thought about calling them? And now I'm not really talking about the bad driving, but wouldn't they be surprised if someone called and said just how good the driver was doing? I think maybe we spend a bit more time on negativity. We look for problems that maybe people need to have a little bit more of a compliment on how they're driving. Just a thought. Welcome to another episode of Speed Bumps, a safe driving podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about driving into the sunset isn't always romantic, how sharing the road with cyclists is something all drivers need to do, and how I've always tried to be a helpful person, including as a driving instructor. Let's go. The, uh, the other day, I'm, uh, I'm coming home in the latter part of rush hour, and the sun is, is setting, and I'm heading west. And at some point, yes, the sun sets enough that it's right in front of me, and that big ball of orange is kind of making it a little difficult to drive. So I thought, what do we do to help ourselves see when driving towards the glare of the sun. Sometimes we need reminders. So here's a few. We know we clean our windows and we use our wipers and washers on a regular basis, especially when there's still a little bit of slush and slime on the road. But what about inside? How often do you clean the glass on the inside of your vehicle? Now, if you're a smoker or a vapor, those films of the smoke will actually get on the inside of your glass a little bit quicker than those who don't. So perhaps cleaning on the inside, if that's you, a little more often would probably be a good thing. Now, I think sunglasses are a must for everybody, especially when you're driving. But as far as the sunglasses go, polarized sunglasses can actually cut through the glare a little bit better than just the stylish ones. So when you're searching for sunglasses, don't just look for style, look for the actual use of it. And while we still have a little bit of snow on the road or on the grass and the sun is reflecting off the snow or even on wet roads after a, a downpour, it does create that little bit more glare that we have to cut through because we still see lane markings that will guide us. So make sure we have a good pair of sunglasses. Now, don't forget your visor is a tool. I, now, there's a joke that's been going around the internet for a number of years, but I actually have seen it in real life where the person's visor is still up in the ceiling of their car and they're using their one hand to kind of shield the sun. Well, pull the visor down. Now, if you haven't really thought about it also, the visor can turn. If the sun is coming from the driver's side of the vehicle uh, through the side window, turn the visor so it blocks it because it can be a distraction, including if you do need to look to your left, which we do at times while driving. So use your visor as well. Now, sometimes you're, you're heading more towards the sun and the sun, you've got your visor down, your seat's in the proper position height-wise, but the sun is now coming down below the visor. Now, what do you do? Well, I keep a hat in my car. I keep like a baseball hat that uh, has that brim. And if you wear the hat and you can lower the brim a little bit more than the visor, it can cut the glare off the sun and block the sun a little bit more from reaching you and distracting you. 
Now, there was a time I was coming from uh, Quebec, coming back into Ontario, and I was driving towards uh, the west, and I was heading towards rush hour. The sun was starting to get low, so I pulled the visor down. I kept driving, and it was getting lower and lower. I put on my hat, and then it got to a point where there's a problem. I can't see the brake lights of the vehicles ahead very well because of that glare. So I pulled over safely as soon as possible, which was pretty quick, actually, and I waited. I only had to wait like 15, 20 minutes until the sun got behind the trees. Then I pulled away again and continued my drive. So that 15, 20 minutes was a safe break to allow me to still be able to see. Now, speaking of the fact of me being able to see their brake lights, you should also make sure that your taillights and brake lights and headlights are also clean. Make sure you turn them on too. If you've got your full headlight system on, not your daytime running lights, your taillights are on, and I'm not talking auto, full headlight system. Put your taillights on, especially when there's a glare of the sun, because the drivers behind have to be able to see you, and sometimes that glare is just going to block them. It's going to block them from seeing you. Having your lenses clean means that you're actually communicating that your position is there, then all is clear. Now you know what to do. Ever since I was a kid, I was always asked to share, you know, and it's something that I do, and I taught my kids to do that. But as a driver, not only do we have to share the road with other vehicles of four-wheel nature, we also need to share the road with the two wheels, the cyclists. They're also considered vehicles of the road. And just because you're bigger doesn't mean you get to have the right of way over them. Now, some people get annoyed with the cyclists, and there's really no reason to be annoyed. They're allowed to be there. So give them some space and give them some respect, too. They also have families, and no one really wants to injure them. Now, many laws across our lands do ask for space when passing a cyclist. In Ontario, where I live, we want a meter when passing. But in reality, that's not a lot of space. Let's give them as much space as possible when going past them. A full lane change is a good idea, but do it early. So here's why. If you pass a cyclist at the last second who's driving in the curb lane, just a, a meter or so from the curb, the driver behind might be in a hurry. And the moment they see that you're changing lanes, they hit the gas. And next thing they know, there's a cyclist in their way. So if you change lanes early, you're not creating any problems for the cyclist, but you're also creating extra space and extra visibility for the driver behind to see the cyclist. So we're actually helping in being a cooperative road user. And I think that's important for everybody. Now, if you can't pass the cyclist uh, as soon as you'd like to, uh, because of uh, traffic or whatnot, reduce your speed. Stay back far enough that you're not putting pressure on the cyclist. Now, if you're on a two-lane road, one lane in each direction, then it's actually okay to cross the center line to go around the cyclist. But obviously, you're going to have to use the common sense version of making sure there's no cars coming. Yes, thanks, Captain Obvious. But do it quickly so that way you're not taking too much time being in the oncoming lane. Now, cyclists also have the opportunity of having bicycle lanes in a lot of communities. 
And drivers are kind of curious about when do they enter this, the uh, bicycle lane and when do they not enter? If you're going to make a turn and there's a bicycle lane, you'll notice that there are some small broken lines just before the intersection. It's actually okay to enter the bicycle lane just as those lines start to break up. But again, make sure it's safe because in reality, you're doing a lane change and there is a vehicle on the road that could be there. So make sure there's not a cyclist. Uh, being aware of what's in your mirrors and in your blind spot is always a good idea. So do it safely. If you're going slowly or if you're stopped before you're turning, check your mirrors and also your blind spot. Make sure a cyclist isn't coming up beside. There's a lot of good cyclists and I am friends with cyclists who are on social media and we talk and I see what they post and I know that not everybody gives them the respect that they need or deserve. So let's create a safe culture for it. Oh, and one more thing about the bike lanes. Don't park in the bike lane. Imagine someone blocking the entire road for your car and you've got no place to go except up the sidewalk. That's how they feel. There's no place for them to safely move their vehicle. So find a better place to park, not in the bike lane. Give them some space and then we can all live happily ever after. I think I'm considered a, a helpful person. It's something that is a, a trait that's passed down through my family. It's something I like to do. So I always try to be helpful, including as a driving instructor. So it's not just about teaching people how to go around corners and how to be safe. I try to help them in thinking outside the box. So whenever I could, I would do that. So every now and then I get a student with long hair and the, the weather is mild or warm and the windows are down and their hair is blowing all over the place and they don't have a scrunchie or a tie back and they're getting quite annoyed and it's really kind of distracting them. So I used to keep uh, a whole slew of the, uh, the hair ties in, uh, in my vehicle and I would I put them on my visor on the driver's side and I would ask them, Are, is your hair getting in your way? Oh, I wish I had a, a scrunchie or something. I said, well, if you look up at the visor, help yourself. And they were like kind of surprised that a guy that looks like me would have hair bands to tie your hair back. So they took them and uh, put their hair in a ponytail and all was good. See, I'm helpful. Now in the uh, uh, bright weather, I do try to remind my students also to bring sunglasses with them. You know, they have their own sunglasses. It's always a good idea. But every now and then they forget because they go to school first, they're being picked up for their lessons right after school, they're not thinking about sunglasses. Well, I always kept an extra pair of sunglasses in my glove box. And uh, when I first put them in my glove box, they were kind of cool and stylish looking. But after a while, they kind of got out of style and they looked kind of dorky, to be honest. So I remember with one student, I, I had to evaluate their driving and uh, I had to be able to uh, see their eyes. So I had a pair of sunglasses that would still allow me to see their eyes, but shield them from the brightness of the sun. And uh, I pulled him, he said, great, wonderful. And I pulled him out of my glove box and he looked at the sunglasses, looked back at me and said, I can't wear those. What if my friends see me? I said, well, no one will recognize you. He said, it's okay, I'll squint. So I'm trying to be helpful, but they're kind of slamming, dissing that I didn't have the style like they wanted to have. 
Well, other times I've helped people is on a road test. On a road test, you take a student to the road test, they're in your car, you kind of keep them relaxed, keep the conversation light. And sometimes when the uh, windows and the mirrors and the lights are all kind of grimy, I always have a squeegee of my own and I would use water from the, uh, the snow and I would clean the windows. I want to make sure that they had clear visibility before they went for the road test. Like, that's a nice thing to do, right? Well, as soon as I was doing it, the examiner came out the building and I was hurrying to get done. And I threw it in the back of my car, but I made a mistake and I didn't close the back hatch. So after the student started the car with the examiner, I went in the building. I don't even look back. And uh, the examiner said, what's that light? And they said, oh, it's the back hatch. So the, the student told the examiner what I had done for them. And during their entire road test, they were both slamming me and making fun of the fact that I didn't know how to close a hatch and all this, all because I'm a nice guy. But geez. Now, the other time, my battery was weak and the student was ready for a road test. And I said, start the car to make sure it's running and it wouldn't start. Oh, no. We had like five or 10 minutes before the examiner was due to come out the building. So I tried to flag down a driver. One almost hit me. I had to run out of the way. I've got booster cables in my hand and no one was stopping. Finally, someone did stop and they said, I don't know how to boost. I said, I do. So we got the car boosted. The engine started and they closed the hood of the volunteer and I thanked them very much. And just as I closed the hatch, this time I remembered to close the hatch, the examiner walked out the building and all was good. Oh, and my student did pass their test, all thanks to me being a nice guy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Speed Bumps, a safe driving podcast. Remember, these episodes do come out usually on a Sunday. Be sure to check out my blog. It's thesafedriver.ca. And also, if you need to reach me, you can catch me on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. I'm at SafeDriver. And if you want to drop me a line, you can also send me an email. My email address is SafeDriver36 at yahoo.ca. Drive safe, and we'll talk soon. I'm Scott Marshall.